Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, this is Benjamin Boyce. Welcome to my podcast or YouTube channel, depending on how you are shoving this into your brain body. Envelope. Today's interview is with Kiara, who is a D-trans woman. This is kind of confusing for me. I don't know how to say this. She was a she, and for a couple years during her teen time, decided that she was a man and did a lot of work to become a man in her eyes and in the eyes of the society. Then she detransitioned or desisted with that path in life. We get into her story, what informed her desire to be a trans person, and we also talk about her project. She's working with a collective of post-trans women who are trying to provide resources to young women who develop rapid-onset gender dysphoria. This is in no way an anti-trans screed. This is just some people who are trying to give information out there that not necessarily combats, but gives an alternative to the very strong pro-trans, trans-affirmative push going on within the medical establishment, the immediate establishment, and various other sectors of society. So, this is just resources for people who are wondering about this stuff. And this is also a wonderful just insight into a young person's life. And I got a lot out of it. Here's Kiara. All right. There we go. Well, hello, Kara. Hey, how's it going? How has your week been? Um, pretty solid, you know, lots of work. Yeah. Are you Not talking about your nine to five job or your side projects? Uh, well, the nine to five job takes up. Yeah, um, you know, most of the day. And then, yeah, I have been working on the project. We have some some new content in the works. Oh, cool. Uh, and this is Peak Resilience. Yes. Yeah. And you guys just started it up pretty recently, right? Like within the last Yeah, month. I think our first video went up like February 1st or 2nd. Okay. So it's pretty new. We've had a lot of really good feedback so far, which I've been happy with. So Yeah, I was just scrolling. You guys have some posts on Reddit and some interaction going on there. Mm-hmm. As well as yeah, it helps that um, Helena, one of the people involved, is a moderator of the RD Trans subreddit. So she's been getting some good posts and feedback on there, which has been awesome as well. Uh, RD Trans. Yeah, it's just D Trans is the subreddit. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. R slash D Trans, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and is that D E Trans or just D? D E T R A N S. Cool. And. Um, how long have has this been in the works? There's four of you right now. That's four of us, yeah. the video that I saw. When did you guys start speaking together and, and thinking about doing something like this? Um, we we got together through a couple of mutual friends and we were able to fund like our first initial meetup just like a week or two before the first video went up, so end of January. Um yeah, so we've only met up the one time. We were able to produce a couple of videos in a podcast, but hopefully we'll be able to get together again. And what's the mission statement for this? Um, essentially, we just we want to raise awareness because detransition and like desistance um, is generally something that's very much silenced, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just you know, giving a voice to that um, people who have detransitioned or desisted, and 
you know, we provide a lot of support um, to people who may be questioning whether or not they're trans, you know, hmm. questioning their gender in, in general. Um, we just, we want to be able to reach young people who this is really affecting, you know, because we've been through it. Like, we know what it's like and mm-hmm. the bad side of a lot of it. So. And you four are rather young yourselves. I mean, geologically speaking. Yeah, I'm 21. Yeah. Two of us are 20. The other is 22. So, yeah, okay. we're. Yeah. Definitely. And what's the difference between desistance and detransition? So, I mean, a lot of people use those interchangeably. Um, We've been keeping it pretty specific since I am desisted, which means I never actually medically transitioned. Okay. Um, I did want to, but I ended up not being able to. I just uh, identified as trans for a couple of years and then eventually um, desisted from that identity. Um, But the other three actually did medically transition for over a year, all of them. Um, So we consider them detransitioned. And by medical, you don't mean surgical, you mean hormonal. Or no, both. only hormonal. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, what I'd like to go as personal as you want to go. Um, this is just uh, an opportunity for you to speak your truth, as <laughs> the case may be. But uh, on, on a larger picture scale, it seems that your generation is, I don't want to like fear monger or anything, but you folks are kind of at risk um, of this kind of this sea change in in gender identity, and it seems like you guys have the skills, the tools, and the backing of the older generations to kind of just leap all in. Um, pretty young, um, mm-hmm. you're you're very sure. much encouraged. Um, sure. And do you, do you think that that uh, there's got to be a mix of good and bad in that, um, in a way, or do you do you come down hard on gender, just the whole process of questioning gender, there's a lot more risks than benefits at this point in the conversation. You mean risks of, of what we're saying and like our position? Risks uh, of people making uh, very big decisions um, very young. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or maybe even throw themselves into uh, several years of just questioning stuff. Mm-hmm. Um that might derail them from, from working on other issues. What, where do you think, where do you come down on like the questioning of gender and how did you start to question uh, gender as a concept and, and your own gender? Yeah. So for me personally, um, I began questioning when I was probably recently turned 16, I want to say approximately. Um, it was kind of a gradual process. You know, I sort of uh, fell into it by chance for a couple reasons and, um, you know, I ended up on social media. I was a, I was a sophomore in high school, so I, you know, <laughs> was dealing with that lovely situation as it is. <laughs> um, I was also, you know, very socially awkward. I had an event, you know, which I lost a lot of friends at the end of my sophomore year. Yeah. Um, so that sort of pushed me into a little more isolation, a little more social media. Um, it was mainly like Tumblr and YouTube. There's a ton of like FTM transition videos on YouTube, hmm. which is like progression of getting on testosterone and, you know, all of that. You may have seen those. Um, yeah. they were very prevalent. <laughs> so I got, um, I got kind of almost like addicted to watching those. Like I would, I would watch them honestly, like so many per day, like hours. I would spend all my time on YouTube, Tumblr, just social media in general. Um, what fascinated you about it? Um, so I would say around 2015 is when I think a lot of this was really starting to take hold. And that's when I first started, um, being exposed to it, I guess, right around that turn when it was just becoming a thing, like more than it ever sort of had been before, or I guess maybe more just publicly on the internet thing. Um, 
So yeah, it was sort of like everyone who was putting these videos up was kind of idolized in a way. Like all these trans guys would have like hundreds, thousands of comments under their videos, like, you know, praising them for being brave, for being handsome, you know, all of this stuff. They're they're just completely idolized by everyone for I don't honestly I don't know what reasons, but hmm. it was it was very attractive and especially, you know, for someone who was more of like a social outcast or more of like kind of on the loner side um you know that potential was very attractive and hmm. yeah so do you think that you were um what kind of attracted you to um transness as a, as a lifestyle was was more social than than personal more external than it, internal or? i mean it was definitely it was definitely a mix of the two um yeah. I just want to emphasize the aspect of the social media because, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that was that was just a big part of it for me and for a lot of people um, that I knew as well. Um, but no, that was definitely not. Honestly, I wouldn't even say that was the main reason behind it. There were there were probably a different couple of different factors at play. Um, there was a lot of a lot of internalized homophobia for sure okay. um, that I never admitted to myself at the time, of course. But now I can look back and see that that was um, a pretty big pretty big issue for me at the time um and you know it's that that ties into the social media thing because you know when you're repressing your sexuality as a female and you see these videos of these guys with all these girls praising them Hmm. you know that's that was a draw as well um so i was that was a big thing there's also some like trauma aspects that um that were probably a large factor as well from from your own life from uh, yeah personal relationships and stuff like that Mm -hmm. And and how would um, entering into a trans uh, identity or lifestyle? Um, how do you think that would that was a coping mechanism for trauma, or how was that uh, informed by trauma? Because it seems like your your own experience probably is replicated uh, in other people's experience. Yeah. If we can abstract it a little bit, like how does trauma push Absolutely. one into that? Yeah. So I think trauma is a huge factor for. A ton of a ton of people, specifically like trans men, like women who, be, who transition to men. Um, so essentially, like as a woman, when you're subjected to like sexual abuse or like sexual trauma, it's because you are a female. You know, mm. you're targeted because okay. you're female. Um, so just that that aspect by itself, you know, for me, it was definitely subconscious at the time. I just sort of wasn't able to handle the realization of that trauma. It was. A thing of it makes you want to kind of run from being female when you come to the to terms of the fact that you're a target of sexual violence for simply being female. Hmm. A lot of people. And yeah, so I wouldn't, yeah. You I, I was just I wouldn't say that was the exact thing yeah. for like everyone, but I think that's yeah. something a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. So it seems like there's like kind of two parts to that. One is to not be attractive as a female. Um, so if if you eliminate the femaleness, then you'll eliminate. Um, attracting the element of trauma. Um, and, and there's this other aspect of if, uh, in, in, in terms of homosexuality, if, if I, if I put on, um, if I act and perform as a male, I will be attractive to those who I'm attracted to, which, which would mm-hmm. be female. So it exactly. seems like there's this attractor, this push and this pull, um, with regards to trauma mm-hmm. and sexuality. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Um, yeah, I completely agree. And um, 
And this is a question, and, and, and it always comes up, and thank you for speaking with me. This is all very personal stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a perfect stranger to you. Um, but one thing that I, I, I wonder about a lot with regards to transitioning um, is how much is it informed by a concept of gender and and a concept or and a feeling a sexual feeling or, or, or a sexuality because um, mm-hmm. it seems like the the theory about gender is uh, at least the social constructionist theory like you can be whatever you want it, yeah. it seems like it, it there's always kind of like this unspoken part of it like that's directly informed by the desire and, and eros oh, absolutely for sure yeah i mean it, it always you know it's so it's such like a big diverse topic like dysphoria or desire to transition for everyone is so different but yeah i think that is important to talk about like sexuality is definitely um a large part of it like i've always said internalized homophobia mm. um you know it's not all like homosexual people who are trans obviously but a lot of the people who may be homosexual who decide to transition i think a big huge factor of that is in, is internalized homophobia mm-hmm. or you know homophobic friends family members it's that's a lot of pressure you know that's why in places like russia transition is forced onto gay people oh okay yeah like a, yeah. A, at least from the male part it's a chemical castration route exactly exactly huh. yeah so. That's really fascinating that it's much easier for people to accept somebody changing genders than being attracted to the same gender. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I know. What, what do you think about that? that? I, I think people are really good at sort of, I'm struggling to put this into words, like it's easier to just like turn a blind eye to, some, to what someone used to be as long as right now they are fitting your definition of Hmm. straight, you know, heterosexual pairing, Hmm. it's easier to sort of block out and forget the fact that they used to be the opposite sex or whatever. That's, I haven't given that a lot of thought. That's just sort of my initial opinion on that. Um, That's a really interesting question. Yeah. It's almost, I would think it's more of like, yeah, it's just, that's just an easier thing to, to grasp. Yeah. It seems like, like, uh, in, in a certain respect, transition um, is used to de-queer people. Like, it's a hyper-queerness that, mm-hmm. that ends up, like, delimiting yeah. that queerness of, of the relationship. Yeah. yeah, it's so gay that it's straight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You know, full circle. Full circle. And as you transition, so you said you didn't, you, you mainly transitioned via social performance then? Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, um, I did. So I was 16 to 18, um, at the time when I really actively wanted hormones and I was still living with my mother at that time. Um, and she was, you know, my mom's not homophobic at all. She just, you know, thought about the transition thing. She, she basically eventually came to the conclusion that she wasn't going to allow that while I was living with her, which of course now I'm very grateful for. Hmm. Um, I'm glad she didn't allow me to change transition. Um, but at the time I was, yeah, I was very distressed about it. I spent two years like fighting tooth and nail with her to, to allow me to take hormones. Um, hmm. so if she had allowed it, I absolutely would have. Do you think yeah. that there's a cap- uh, possibility that, I mean, there could be laws at some point put in place that this is a form of child abuse to not let somebody transition? I think at the opposite, I think transitioning children, and I'm, I guess I'm sp- specifically talking about, you know, like young children, 
Yeah. I think that is child abuse. Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely like I can't even believe that that's something that's allowed. But you know? if you if you had recourse to report your mother for abusing you for not letting you tr- transition, would you have gone that route or were you tempted to go around her back? I mean, so I didn't have a lot of autonomy, you know, like a 16, 17 year old. Um, so I think, yes, like I did at that point, if I had been able to get hormones like behind her back, I absolutely would have. Um, it was, it just really wasn't an option. You know, I didn't have transportation or anything like that. Couldn't get to a clinic. Um, but yes, I would have as for reporting. I don't know. (laughs) She and I, you know, I totally hated her at that point in my life. You know, I thought she was like killing me by not allowing me to transition. Um, so I don't, I don't think that I would have reported her in such a way that would have like gotten her into like, to like go to jail or something. I don't think I would have done that. Um, so no, I'm going to go ahead and say, no, I don't think I would have reported her, but if there was a way for me to report that and just be able to get hormones without anything bad happening to her, I think, yes, I would have done that. Mm-hmm. If I've been able to like go over her head legally mm-hmm. as a minor, yeah. yes, I would have done that for sure. Cause and I was, it was fixated on it. It was all I could think about. You know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I know it took over my life for more than two years. It was crazy. Were, were there people, uh, was this all via the internet or were there people around you and, and meet space that, that, did you have a group, a uh, social group that were, were involved um, with you in this, in this capacity? Of like other, other trans people other or trans like people or... allies or whatever? Um, yeah. No, not really. Okay. Um, like I said, I think a big thing that sort of got me into it was the fact that I, I lost all my friends when hmm. I was like, just before I turned 16. Um, and so, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I had like maybe two or three like childhood friends that I'd known forever that I still had around, but they weren't trans. I didn't have any friends who were trans. Hmm. Um, I knew of like one trans guy and one like non-binary person at my school that I probably looked up to a lot for sure, but I didn't have like a circle of friends like some people did. So you were kind of on your own and you had the internet Uh, and your, your mom was against you going the medical route. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up uh, manifesting your transness? Like in what way did you transition into um, maleness? Um, yeah, so, um, I got a very short haircut, um, shorter than now. It was like a crew cut, like a total men's like army cut. I thought I was hot shit. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I would shop in uh, specifically only the men's section. I wore all like, I thought I was cool with my saggy pants and stuff. So I just like wanted to look as much like a man as possible. And like I bound my chest and stuff like that. So Hmm. I basically did like every cosmetic change I possibly could. It was, you know, did you start to, um, uh, like edit your body movements and your voice did you did it did you take on another persona I guess oh yeah absolutely I consider that a period of being like completely dissociated from my actual body like I wow. I um I would try to like lower my voice purposefully and um I'm lucky I didn't damage my voice but the way I was talking it was crazy <laughs> you could barely understand what I was saying um but yeah I tried to deepen it as much as possible I definitely like tried to walk with like a little bit of like a swagger or whatever or walk like a dude you know that doesn't mean anything but yeah well yeah did that yeah but that, was there like a kind of a psychological persona that you had i, I assume yeah. you changed names or yeah i didn't publicly change names oh, but okay. i definitely had one that i went by like in my head and online 
for sure. Okay. Um, so I basically like, yeah, so it was, I was very dissociated. I was living in this like almost alter ego. It wasn't me, but I thought hmm. like I was so convinced that that was like who I was that I've been born into the wrong body that I was destined to be male, you know? Hmm. And did you, what, did that produce a strain on, on you internally, you think, like a psychological strain, like you were trying to be somebody that you weren't or you, yeah. was, what was that like then? I mean, at, at the time it felt right, but I mean, I hmm. believe that there's always a pretty, pretty strong, like emotional and mental strain if you're putting that much effort into living like a dishonest experience. Hmm. I just say that by like, that's not who I truly was. Okay. I mean, by dishonest. Um, and yeah, that's a lot of, just because like I said, it's not, it's not healthy to have one thing that you focus on yeah. and spend all your energy cultivating this literally like fake persona hmm. that was just born out of, I don't know, fear hmm. and repression and reluctance to actually accept myself. Hmm. That, yeah. That's um, one question, and I don't mean to be uh, derogatory towards somebody who is embarking on this path or in the middle of this path, but one one question that I have is that you're pouring so much time and energy and focus, so much of your life, into creating something to be, mm-hmm. where you're putting everything else on pause, like mastering a skill um, like yeah. in the world other than a social skill, I guess it's kind of like you're pouring all your energy into acting. Um, yeah, and, for sure. And what's the benefit from that? And and I guess in a way, like, I'm sure that you have learned things about yourself by going through this. What are some of the things that you learned aside from like that you were trying to, you were, you were off the mark at that point, but what are the th- some things that you carry with you from those two years? I mean, that's a really good question, actually. <laughs> Um, I definitely, I feel more grateful for the body that I have now Mm. because I feel, you know, when you spend so much energy trying to reject something and then finally manage to learn how to accept it, you appreciate it so much more. Um, I appreciate my body for what it is now. I'm mostly, you know, happy with it always and relative to how I felt before. Um, so I feel like I'm grateful for that. I guess I learned that I really can't fully escape things that have happened to me you know mm. you can't escape something that's happened to you by changing your appearance or changing your body it's it's mm. always going to be there you may be able to potentially you know prevent something else from happening but you can't escape and repressing that in the form of changing your appearance isn't mm. going to be helpful. it just further represses it and you're still gonna have to deal with it later mm. plus deal with this other shit you've been doing you know <laughs> yeah so it's like wearing, was, wearing camouflage for some environment that you've left behind. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I truly believed that like this would, I think part of it is it's like you're leaving your old self behind. That's what I felt. I felt like I was going to be a completely different person. Hmm. Like my male self like was going to be totally disconnected, like in a way, like just a totally different person. And I was going to be able to leave my female self and my trauma, and my past, hmm. all of that behind. And I think I truly like believe that I was actually going to be able to escape that by becoming a different person. And I learned that that's really not the case. Not at all, unfortunately. Do you feel <laughs> you that 
do you feel close still to the, your masculinity? Do you feel like you have a masculinity that you cultivated and that you understand now? Or yeah, um, into that? yeah, for sure. So, you know, when I was in that period of time, I rejected anything feminine, and I was I was so wrapped up in everything having to be masculine. And now, yeah, like I guess I embrace masculinity and fem- femininity. You know, I don't. I don't really believe in like gender. I just believe in biological sex, you know, mm. and then I believe people can okay. do whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get called a turf for that, but whatever, I'm used to it, it's fine. <laughs> um, it doesn't affect me anymore. Um, but basically, yeah, I just, I just believe that, you know, you are your biological sex, um, that's what it is, and you can present yourself and express yourself in whatever way you want to. Masculinity, yeah. femininity, if you want to call it that, whatever, just like exists. But there is something that um, is emergent then from your female sex into your femininity or, or into your female gender. Or do you think that they're completely different and disconnected? I mean, so I guess what I was saying is I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea of having a gender because gender, gender and sex, like I believe are two different things. Okay. Right. So you have biological sex and then, Often the, the two words are conflated, but like just for me, I, I tend to separate them just because I believe that gender is just the set of like roles that is okay. put on to people by like a patriarchal society, you know. Okay. Um, and hmm. I, I don't, I think that's regressive. I just wish that people could, <laughs> hmm. that we would allow people, I guess is the better phrasing, to be their biological sex, but you know, present however they want to be. You know, yeah. a man present like feminine or whatever, and not be a woman automatically. You know, or vice versa. I guess that's what I believe. So yeah, I do embrace, I guess what you would call masculinity and femininity. But I guess what I'm what I'm trying to convey is that I don't believe because I believe that ties in with gender, and I just don't really believe in gender or in gendering people. Mm. I just believe in letting them exist. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's a little bit of like a strange concept. Yeah. But it's like gender abolitionists. If you've heard that before. What's that? Term. Yeah, basically, it's just what I just described. Okay. It's just like leaving behind gender roles and just okay. literally just allowing people to exist however they want without okay. making it, you know. But the way that people respond to a feminine entity um, huh. is, is is still going to have, uh, like like you're saying, like there's a truth to what you're saying about um, mm-hmm. there was something in your life um, that, sorry, hold on just a second. Uh, there was something in your life that um, that happened to you because of your femininity or because of your femaleness. Because of being female, yeah. It's not the same as femininity. Yeah, okay. Um, But are there not... Okay, this is is a hard conversation. I feel like we're going to get derailed, but I just... (laughs) I I just feel that there are aspects of the feminine that I think of like more in terms of archetypes or like mythological characteristics. Like there's... Like, like there's a aspect of beauty or an aspect of justice that makes uh-huh. sense in my mind on a dramatic level, uh, on an imaginary level. When I think in terms of gender, when I when I gender certain concepts like war, like the god of war, like like the Greek pantheon, like there's something there's something mm-hmm. really eternally functional. I don't know about true, but functional about using gender to to conceptualize the world. That's different than how I present myself or how how I categorize other people. However, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. a woman, a woman is going to have certain emergent characteristics um, that 
that when a man puts those characteristics on, there's something that I have to repress about like my knee jerk reaction of thinking that's ridiculous. Like a man acting yeah. in a certain feminine way is just kind of, it's ridiculous. Cause I can tell that it's not, it's not like an outpouring of, of like just their, their sex. I think that gender is always informed by sex um, and, and, and also informed by desire, um, desire for that which we want and and like categories such as like homosexual and heterosexual like the homosexual is certainly attracted even if it's to a fem feminine man like a, a, uh, a male homosexual might be attracted to slightly feminine men uh, but still wants that that male interaction like there's some sort of like frequency in the interaction between a man and a man a woman a man and, and a man yeah. and a woman um, yeah because homosexuality homosexuality is 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 biological sex. All sexuality is on biological sex. It's not on gender identity. Hmm. So I guess that, that kind but of... But are you attracted to, insofar as you're attracted to someone, you're attracted to a gender, are you not? And and that gender and the, the way that the body overlaps with that gender is gets you all riled up in a way, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. But basically, so sexuality is is determined by biological sex. People aren't attracted to a gender role or people aren't attracted to physically hmm. attracted to like anything except like the biological sex. Like that's what determines your sexuality. Yeah, hmm. you can have a preference, like say a guy has a preference for more feminine women or for less feminine women, you know? He can still be straight. Does that hmm. make sense? Like Yeah. Okay. He's not attracted to the femininity or masculinity. He's attracted to women. Hmm. Right? He can possibly have like a preference. Hmm. But see, so, okay, so, like, a lot of people in the trans movement really get on people for excluding trans people because they say hmm. that, okay, so, like, the biggest argument is trans women, you know, harass lesbians a lot of the time because they say that lesbians should be attracted to the to fact the male, that they the identify female penis. as yeah. female. Yeah. yeah, and no, lesbians are not attracted to males. Hmm. You know, that's just by nature of what a lesbian is. It's just not attracted to males. It doesn't matter mm. what they do or how much makeup or whatever they do. Mm. It's just, it's just okay. a fact, you know, it's nothing against trans okay. women. It's just that, you know, does that mm. make sense? That, that's yeah. all I'm trying to say. I okay. Think. Yeah, I was just, I worded it in a little bit of a confusing way. <laughs> no, not at all. But, it's yeah, a very, very complex. Just, yeah. It's, it's such a complex situation. It's just, my point is I want to, I want to make sure because people are not attracted to a gender identity or to like a gender presentation. Hmm. It's you can be like, okay, I'm really struggling to like put this into words. I mean, are, are I, because I, I'm I'm attracted to womanly women. That's what I'm attracted to. Like, so I'm attracted, you're not to, attracted the body. to feminine men. Are you? Or say hypothetically, I'm hypothetically you're a straight man. You're attracted to womanly women, but you're okay. not attracted to womanly men. To womanly men. You're attracted to females, but you like them to look feminine. Uh, and and, and feminine aspect, you'd be attracted to men who looked feminine, right? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm saying I'm, like, yeah, you can absolutely have a preference and like be attracted to that for sure. Like someone's gender presentation. Hmm. I'm just saying that sexuality innately, what your sexuality you're born with is based on someone else's biological sex and your own biological sex. Hmm. Um, another personal question then to get back to you. Um, yeah. How do you think that your sexuality um, changed when you went to uh, being a, a trans man? 
and then going out of that like the, the and by that like the people that you were attracted yeah. to and who you wanted to be attracted to like did do you notice a change what was the change um well i don't that's kind of a complicated question also like i i spent a long time again with the like repressed <laughs> mm. like homosexuality and stuff like that um I spent a lot of time like identifying as bisexual and saying I was, but the entire time I was not like, I am solely attracted to women. Mm. So I don't think my sexuality changed. I think I sort of maybe told myself that it did, but it was all like a hypothetical. Oh, okay. So Every the context in which the sexuality would play out was different because it, you exactly. were acting as a male or it, exactly. Cause like, okay. So I obviously I never took testosterone like I don't know I've heard of things like people's sexuality changing mm. when they take actual like medical like cross-sex hormones so like I basically I believe sexuality is innate I believe you're born loving whoever you love being gay mm. straight bi whatever the fuck um however I think there is room for like research and possible questions of as to whether sexuality can change with medical intervention mm. I don't know I don't want to claim I don't want to give really like an opinion on that because I really don't know um, but for me, since I never did take any, I never medicalized, I don't believe my sexuality changed. Okay. I think I was, again, so repressed. <laughs> I I may have mentally thought that, like, it did. Okay. But I realize now that it didn't. So it was but like, it was a way, in a way, to summarize what you're saying and refine this statement... Uh, being a trans man was a way of getting around the fact of who you were attracted to or, or kind of gaming that attraction. Yeah. So it was more palpable. Absolutely. It's because so I wanted to think of myself as a straight dude as opposed to like a gay woman. Huh? Yeah. That was a large part of it. And again, that goes back to the, the homophobia. Mm. And, and how did, um, how did things start to change for you and you desisting from, uh, thinking of yourself as a man? Yeah, so a big part of that, um, when I was 17, I graduated high school, um, and I pretty much immediately spent nine months um, doing an internship in a place where I had almost no internet, so I was disconnected from social media. Huh. Um, I was doing a ton of really physical work. I was working on a horse farm for nine months, like crazy hours all the time, um, lots of strenuous physical work. So um, essentially, I just spent nine months away from all of this like internet addiction that I had, and hmm. I just didn't have the access to... Um, what I had access to before, you know, all of that. They was feeding into this desire and hmm. just like exacerbating it. Um, so yeah, I think I matured a lot emotionally and physically during that period. Um, and just by the time I came back, I was, I was more secure within myself. Hmm. I had sort of had to grounded, you know, when you're doing a lot of physical work, you have to kind of accept your body and what it can do and use it, you know? Um, and using like heavy machinery and stuff. So I was like, I better, better pay attention. Um, so that was very helpful for me. And I think, yeah, just by the time I came back, I was, I was much more mature in a very different space than I was when I'd left. And yeah, I was just able to sort of take a little bit of a step back, slow down a little bit, look a little bit more critically mm. at what I was doing and this ideology. And then I ended up getting into just more of like a radical feminist kind mm. of section of the internet. Um, and reading a little bit more about that, and then that helped me um, come to terms with it. Because I met a lot of other people online who were detransitioners or disisters who had been through the same thing. Hmm. Again, so. Um, and mostly uh, female to male. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Almost exclusively. So it doesn't seem like you suffered from dysphoria as it's um, described by uh, male to f- male to female. Like, uh, or did you did you have a dysphoria? Uh, like male a, to female. Uh, I, I I know a lot of uh, wait male to female. I know a lot of trans women. Yeah. Who describe uh, a dysphoria that's like really rooted in um, like this desire to be feminine and, and this uh, uh, dislike of being male, like this very strong gut internal thing that the, you, you don't really describe like a dysphoria in that way. It seems like a more a social level dysphoria. Rather yeah, than it was it was definitely a mixture. Um, so, yeah, I did. I did very much actively reject being female. Like I said, I was very dissociated from myself. I refused to accept my body. I wanted to alter it. Um, Mm. I, I would have like screaming fights with my mother over it. So it was, it was definitely a very active dislike of being female. Of of Um, perceiving yourself as female or being perceived as female or, or a mixture of both. Both. Absolutely both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, Mm. you know, again, various reasons. And I think Mm. dysphoria definitely dysphoria. There isn't, it's such like a vague term in all honesty. Like there's so many different definitions for it. It manifests so differently in everyone. Um, I, I just, I just think it means something different to everyone in all honesty. Um, it's, it's not like a one size fits all. It's definitely, it definitely is something that varies. Yeah. Yeah. It Um, seems like from the, small amount of literature that I've read and articles that I've read, it seems that there is um, a particular um, vulnerability of teenage girls specifically to mm-hmm. uh, to entering into transition um, because of a social uh, desire or like a, a social um, contagion, like the way that, that it pops up is in these clusters of people. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's true do you think that that female uh that young women are, are particularly vulnerable to this yeah absolutely um have you seen a study by lisa Littman on rapid onset gender dysphoria i i, I have okay yeah so absolutely um so yeah i believe that's a very real phenomenon i think my experience is actually a really almost pretty much spot-on uh example of that because mm. it was um it came on very rapidly probably when i was you know just turned 16 i was <laughs> Figuring stuff out. It was. There's a crisis in your life, uh, social crisis that kind of catalyzed that. Exactly. Exactly. It was very much influenced by by my social circle, social media. Um, It came on very rapidly within the span of a couple months, Hmm. and it was very tumultuous and intense. And yeah, it 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 was rapid onset gender dysphoria. I believe that is a thing. Um, You know, there's definitely intricacies to that. but the thing is, like, that needs to be taken seriously because people are medically transitioning because of that. Yeah. Um, the other people in my project have also experienced that. Um, and they actually medicalized because of that dysphoria. And they then realized later that that was not the right path for them. Hmm. Is, there a way to, is there a way to get awareness uh, out to young women uh, about being aware? Or, like, what are, some of the, what are some of the things that would have slowed you down other than your mother? barring you from the hormones. Um, Do you think it was just kind of like a rite of passage that you just had to go through? 
Yeah, that's that's a question I've actually thought a lot about. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, if there was, if there was just more of the other side hmm. provided, which is what we're trying to provide with this project, that's kind of the point, is just giving that other narrative. And, you know, if detransitioners and sisters weren't so silenced for some weird reason. That... So they are. So you, you, you feel that they are actively silenced. I mean, I've seen that, but I, I want your take on that. And why yeah, do you because... think they are silenced? Before, because I had to actively search them out. Like I said, when I returned uh, huh. that internship, I had to actively look for them. Um, the algorithms didn't just shuffle them to you. No, like, exactly. Huh. Yeah, the algorithms push all the trans timelines into your face. Huh. But I didn't know, I didn't even think about detransition as a concept. Like, I, it didn't even come up because I saw no, like, experiences. There were no YouTube videos of that. Like, it's just... For whatever reason, it's silenced and no one wants to hear those stories. Um, so I think that would have been very, very immensely helpful to me mm. and to a lot of people um, who were going through it at that time and who still are. Yeah. So just so, just hearing that other side and, yeah. and people have been through it, you know? Yeah. Tales because from the, the other side. Exactly. The trans movement just makes it seem like there's no risk of detransition, that that's like a 0.5% statistic or something, hmm. which is not right. But they they phrase it in that in that way, and honestly, I don't I don't know why they do, but I believe that that is something that needs to be changed for sure. So aside from your social factors and your personal factors, the trauma and the and the society, all that stuff, what what else is appealing about the trans narrative for a young girl? Like what what's the strength of that narrative? What what's so compelling about that? Is it is it like uh, something about becoming male that that is kind of like a symbolic journey of like actualizing uh, the self or I mean that, those that's all kind of gobbledygook but w what do you think is so attractive about the story yeah well I mean again like it definitely varies person to person um, I think some just because I think the social aspect of it is huge because it's huh. it is becoming like a fad in a lot of ways because there's so so many more than there ever were and like the people the amount of people who are transitioning especially young girls is just growing like crazy um so i think you know when you're like a you know 13 14 15 year old girl like you want to be part of the crowd you want to be part of the pack you want to be okay. popular i think that's a large aspect of it for sure the social thing which is another reason i think that really needs to be talked about um but yeah and i think again you know girls who want to fit in you know girls who are gender non-conforming who see this option of being of conforming to gender in the form of being a man you know it's just in a lot of ways it's it's easier that's that's part of the draw is it's easier to be a gender conforming man than a gender non-conforming woman how is it easier um just existing in the world as, as gender non-conforming as a man or a woman um it's you know we live in a decently homophobic society regardless of you know who you surround yourself with immediately you're still exposed to that in media and honestly everywhere to a certain extent hmm. um, and it's just you know even for me like I'm obviously fairly gender non-conforming I you know I get looked at when I go out in public sometimes you know I, I can feel people judging me a lot of times and hmm. there are yeah and it's it's very easy to go back into that thinking of wanting to to transition and it, a lot of it is is honestly just like it's like theoretical. I think a lot of a lot of people is they feel very uncomfortable being gender nonconforming 
so again, like what I did is I lived in this sort of almost fantasy world. Hmm. Like theoretically, I would never be harassed. My life would be perfect if I transitioned, hmm. you know, which is not necessarily the case, but it's, it's that. And I think young people are very susceptible to that as well. Yeah. This odd mixture of sticking out and fitting in at the same time. Exactly. I mean, it's so, it's so hard to be that age and it yeah. gets harder constantly, you know, there's just, there's so much to deal with at that age of like coming to terms with yourself. And yeah, a lot of people are coming to terms with sexuality at that age and, yeah. and dealing with, yeah, going to puberty, like all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's a very vulnerable age. Yeah. And do you yeah. think, do you think that there's, uh, I mean, somebody, and this is probably derogatory. I don't mean it derogatory, but like I've, I've heard it, um, likened to, you know, the emo phase or the goth phase. My generation, yeah. we had the goth phase, you know, and it oh. seems like the, there's like just this, uh, youthful, uh, congruence or confluence it's rebellious it's sexy and then everybody like champions it at the same time so you're yeah. again you stick out and you fit in at the same time um and yeah. then and you get to flip the bird to you know society yeah, and it's or strength whatever. In numbers. Yeah, yeah it's easier to rebel in numbers so yeah so For so sure. i i wonder like if if it'll it'll slalom like the the youth will slalom into something else um but the problem with this particular fad i guess tattoos are forever but there's certain things that happen when you go on testosterone as mm -hmm. a as a biologically sexed woman um that i think might be more or less irreversible there's surgical oh, yeah. operations that are more or less yeah. irreversible um so yeah testosterone is not something to fuck around with it's very no. even in the first couple months it makes a lot of changes to your body yeah, I think that that needs to be more emphasized, too. A lot of hmm. people think it's just this, you know, casual drug that you inject and you can just go back anytime and everything's fine. And it's like, no, it's a lot hmm. of it is irreversible and you're going to be dealing with those effects forever, you know. And it's not like those people, you know, there's nothing wrong with those people's bodies or who they are. It's just hmm. it's still a, a lot of changes that you want to be sure that you're going to be willing, you know, to accept and, and deal with. Yeah. And it just due to the way that it's framed on especially in uh, i don't want to call it progressivism itself but like this uh oh i just saw this phrase that was so it, it was so disturbing to me it was like gender gender affirming surgery is what yeah. it's called now like yeah, like this this affirmation this culture of affirmation coming from mm -hmm. the people in authority the doctors psychologists uh, the parents these these large groups these interest groups that are pushing this stuff the adults in the room are are making it so that we can't act like adults about this we can't slow down and really consider our options um, I'm kind of pissed off about that what's your what's your thoughts on that and why do you think it come about and how do we stop that yeah, it's it's honestly like kind of baffling in a way like i've never heard of honestly a movement like this where like any possible inkling of like dissension to any aspect of it hmm. is like you're instantly like i said you're called like a turf and you're called violent you're banned by twitter like <laughs> the fuck you know yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me like we need to be able to think critically and like, look, I don't, I have no issue with trans people existing. Like, that's, that's their thing. Like, fine, do what you want. I don't wish any harm on trans people. I, they deserve rights, you know? 
but I do mm. have issues with some parts of the movement, but I can't voice those because mm. I instantly get called like, you know, violent and a Nazi even just because I have issues with some aspects of maybe harming like young women, hmm. you know, like there's no room for like nuance. It's literally just their way or the highway. And I, I think part of it is pharmaceutical companies. I, I hate to say huh. this, but they have a lot of stock in it in terms of financial, you know, they're making money off yeah. medicalization of, of young people. And that is really disturbing to me, you know, because it's one thing like, look, if someone wants to transition, like I truly, I don't care, like do it. That's, that's, I'm not going to police someone's body, hmm. but I think it is purposefully misrepresented hmm. in the interest of these companies making money off of people. Hmm. And then, yeah, when they want to detransition, they're silenced and cast aside because, um, hmm. these companies don't want anyone questioning it because there goes their money, you know? And that's part of the reason it's be able, been able to take such a hold, I think, partially is because they have like big pharma and hmm. like the entire medical industry behind it. And that's such a huge voice and has such influence. Hmm. That's part of the reason it's, you know, they're everywhere, the reach of those companies. Yeah. So. And so with your group, Peak Resilience, um, what are some of the tactics that you guys are trying to to use, are you going to be non-combative? Are you not going to focus on the TRA stuff and just try to put out a message specifically for young women? Or honestly, I'm not 100% sure. the The goal right now is just to raise as much awareness as we possibly can about our stories. Like again, none of us, like I speak for all of us when I say, like we have, we're not trying to like take away rights from trans people, which I know we get accused of and will mm. continue to be accused of. <laughs> um, but yes, like I think it's important for us not just to raise awareness on detransition, but also to help people question the movement a little bit because you mm. have to be able to question it in order to help, you know, these young people. And, and there mm. also are aspects of the transgender movement that harm women, I believe. So it's it's just such a complicated topic. I think we're not <laughs> 100% sure. We're sort of going with it. I mean, okay. Um, Myself, Helena, and Jess, you're going to talk with Sheila Jeffries in a few weeks in, in New York. You might have heard of that. Um, and she is rather inflammatory. So we'll see if that <laughs> helps or hinders. changes anything. I really, I don't know at this point, but Is yeah, she, the, um, Sheila Jeffries, I don't know her. Is she a trans woman or a feminist or what? No, was she's her? a radical feminist. Oh, uh, rad femme. Okay. Yeah. She wrote Gender Hurts in, I think, okay. 2015, which was, you know, very mixed reviews. She's very, very radical feminist. Okay. How radical um, uh, on, a, on a one to 10 pain scale, but switching to radical feminism, where do you, where do you land <laughs> right scale. now? <laughs> um, where is she at, you said? No, where do you think you're at? Um, if, if I, don't, I don't really understand what radical feminism means. I think it's one of those things that everybody has their own. Every radical feminist has their own. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Again, radical feminism. Oh my God, I can't talk. Radical feminism. Um, is yeah, it's not one one ideology. It's it's also very broad, um, but it's, essentially, radical feminism is is about women's like liberation more, um, whereas liberal feminism is about like equality between the sexes. Okay, if that makes sense. That's like the very very basic. Okay, okay. Thing. I would recommend if you look into it a little bit, mm -hmm. you might probably find a better explanation than I would be able to give you. <laughs> okay. Because again, well, it's very. Where do you think? Where where where? How does it inform you right now? 
Yeah, so, I mean, on a scale, like, I'm definitely not a liberal feminist. Um, I, it, it depends on the issue, like, in all honesty. There's, mm-hmm. it's not just, like, it's not just about the trans movement. It's about, like, everything, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. So, um, overall, probably, like, seven or eight on the scale. Okay. Ten being, right. like, most radical feminist. One being, like, total liberal feminist. Um, and... Yeah. And what kind of content are you focusing on right now? You guys are doing videos as a group. Are you do you write articles yourself or are you uh doing like slamming social media with little witty posts on Tumblr or how are you doing? I don't know about witty, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, somewhat lame. No, um I mean, yeah, I'm I'm trying to be more active like on Twitter. I just recently like sort of got back into it. Um, hmm. a couple of the other people are very active on Twitter and they have like bigger accounts. Um, so they they handle like the snark aspects. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm catching up slowly. Um, I don't, I don't really know how to use Twitter, but, uh, yeah, so we definitely are planning to do some articles. Um, like we set up a Patreon, we're going to have like some exclusive content there with articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I'm focused on, like, we're each going to give a 10-minute talk in New York, so I'm focused on that right now. But oh, cool. after that, I think I do want to more tackle some some articles Great. and some writing. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to continue to do videos. We just put out a podcast a couple days ago. Great. Um, we're going to continue with those. Um, probably more podcasts just because we all live separately, so yeah. videos are going to be a little bit of a difficulty. Well, now that you know that Skype works, you can yeah. <laughs> At times, yes. <laughs> and do you guys do you guys have any plans, or are you thinking ahead in the future of doing workshops, or or contacting, or giving a place for young women to contact you, or doing mentorships, or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So we do. We have um. Uh, we have a Tumblr. We have a website, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. So we've we've basically been having people contact us on all of those platforms. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually specifically on my Twitter, I have in my bio that like uh, young people who might be questioning their gender should just talk to me if they need support or advice on that. Okay. And um, I've already had several people contact me, which has been really such a cool experience. Hmm. So I'm hoping to continue with that. Um, and again, it's not like I'm talking to them with an, with an agenda. It's just, you know, yeah. giving advice and giving my own personal experience and hoping to, you know, answer any questions that they have. So I think that's very important to talk to people even like one on one in that in that aspect as well yeah. as providing this content and you know we're trying to we're trying to inform the parents as well mm, okay. a lot of our content like honestly most of the questions we've had like on twitter publicly are from these parents who are yeah. have like trans identified kids they have no idea what to do they need yeah. our advice so we're trying to strike a balance of helping the kids and the parents if that makes sense what, well. what's the kind of advice that that parents need to know uh to to weather this or to you know be supportive but I guess yeah. not totally supportive. I don't know. Like, like how do yeah. you know where to draw the line? What's the advice that you give? Yeah. So, well, most parents, they're, you know, they're like freaking out. They're like, Oh my God, my kids said they're trans. Like, what do I do? Do I let them transition? Hmm. Because like a lot of these, a lot of these parents, you know, when they were growing up, they didn't have this trans movement. They had nothing like it. It was, they, they're not familiar with it. They're kind of confused by it. Um, and, you know, they're a lot older than their kids. They're, I think a lot of them are more leaning on the side of not allowing it. Yeah. Um, and they, I think they're just, you know, it's hard because, like, I hated my mom, like, because she didn't let me. So a lot of yeah. them, you know, they're afraid of losing that relationship with their yeah. kid. But they're also afraid of allowing medicalization. Um, hmm. So they're just, that's the main issue we get. 
And honestly, my advice to parents generally, like I don't want to make like a blanket statement, <laughs> but yeah. I generally say that I would err on the side of waiting because, you know, if your kid wants to transition, they can always transition later. But if they end up wanting to detransition, that's a lot to deal with. Okay. You know, how, how, I just err on the side of waiting until they're at least like 18, you know? Okay. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. And how how irrevocable is puberty? Um, well, I don't believe in puberty blockers. It's like experimental drugs. Um, okay. I don't yeah. think a small child, especially like prepubescent, has it, saying that they're the opposite sex is reason to sterilize yeah. and medicalize them, which is what those drugs do. Um, and by I think medicalize those, them, you mean they're basically a ward of the medical state. Yeah, they're dependent on drugs for the rest of their lives, and they'll be just funneling money because it's. Mm, okay. I think that's barbaric. In all honesty, is giving giving children, literal children who haven't even gone through puberty, blockers, and I I will never agree with that. In all honesty, um, as for puberty, I think I just think it's always better to just wait a little bit and see, because if you give puberty blockers and you give cross sex hormones at such a young age. Like these kids, they don't they don't know what they want. They're still figuring out like who they are as people, and mm. that's I don't believe that that it's such a huge it's a lot of a bigger decision than a lot of the trans activists make it out to be. Like I said, they make it seem like this just little thing. Oh, you can just you know have a sex change, no problem, and like that's a huge huge decision that affects you for the rest of your life, regardless of whether you detransition or not. Mm. It's always going to affect you, and I just. I don't think that's a decision that a child can or should make for themselves. Um, so I think, yes, if a kid goes through puberty and later wants to be trans or wants to transition, um, hmm. I think that's an issue to deal with later. That's my opinion on that. I think, hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't think puberty should be messed with with children. It's interesting that we have the capacity to change something rather than accept it. But I think that it's just delaying acceptance with regards to the body. You're going to have to accept your body eventually. Um, mm -hmm. And we can change the body into what you think you want, but yeah. you're still going to have to accept it. Um, and acceptance exactly. is more of like the, you know, traditional wisdom tradition kind yeah. of stuff, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, again, so grateful that I didn't, that I didn't go through with that because now I've learned to accept myself and I'm, and I'm happy with who I am as a person, you know? So I think, I think it's possible, you know, again, I, I don't want to speak for everyone. I don't want to be like offensive or anything like that, but I think that acceptance needs to be hmm. more pushed. You know, I think there should be more sort of hoops to jump through before you can just like get hormones, like hmm. informed consent, I think needs to be changed. Hmm. There needs to be more like a therapeutic aspect and you know, like, I don't think, like, people should be barred from getting hormones. I just think it needs to be, it needs to be taken more seriously. It really does. Do you think that there should be a mandatory nine-month on a horse ranch um, before transition? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit will change you. 